welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves, left by those who had eaten they filled twelve baskets when the people saw the sign that he had done they began to say this is indeed the prophet who has come to the world when Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force and make him king he withdrew again to the mountain by himself when evening came his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat and started across to the the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you again for your attendance. We have visitors. Uh, Denise, good to see you. Hadn't seen Denise in a while. Good summer, I hope, so far. Uh, Rolf's uh, that time traveling. Mallory is gone. Uh, 
we're going to go last part of, of August. Uh, Phipps's stopped by the church early, early this morning on their way headed to the western part of the state. So, so it is just that time of year, huh? And out of the Lighthouse Garden, there are a bunch of cucumbers uh, that, that, that found their way. If you need cucumbers, please, the entry of the church, Jim and Jesse's prolific garden. Uh, next to my dress, stricken lawn. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Well, a couple minutes together for this portion of our time of worship where we focus not upon ourselves celebrating us. Uh, We live in a culture that loves to celebrate us, but rather we celebrate uh, the one who has brought us here, brought us together, who has given us our identity in Christ as the church. A moment with the gospel lesson, um, really two miracles, the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, the miracle of Jesus walking on water. And as I observed last week, and thank you for the many uh, responses to last week's uh, sermon uh, using uh, that story called Ragman. Uh, I shared it uh, both uh, last week and yesterday over at Pine Hills with the adult offenders uh, in prison there and also the juvenile uh, offenders who are there. Uh, and it really was something they related remarkably well to. Um, and so uh, that, was, that was most enjoyable. Uh, this week, the lesson is uh, Jesus' feeding of 5,000, again, walking on water. As we uh, consider miracles, again, just by way of repetition, I know for some, but uh, reintroduction or, or introduction for others, Miracles in and of themselves um, are not what we are to be drawn to when we read of them in Scripture. Uh, There were other people who did magic uh, in uh, the time of the Bible, and there are people today who, through sleight of hand and prestidigitation, I like that big word, uh, do uh, amazing things today, but they are not the same as Jesus' miracles. Jesus' miracles were meant to be, and again, some of you are going to know this, uh, they were meant to be windows, portals. Miracles are portals that we are meant to see through. Uh, and so uh, to see those, those things of the kingdom of God that lie beyond them, um, the miracle in and of itself, uh, not being that which we are invited to focus upon any more than a window. You know, if we look again at the uh, the many windows along the side of the church, if we really look at the windows, you're going to see, among other things, uh, cobwebs and dead flies and things like that. And so the window is not ultimately the, the end of itself, but rather those windows are meant to allow us to see something far more interesting, far grander beyond themselves, to see the trees and the grass and the, the life activity that's going on beyond. So to the miracles. Now, when we approach one of these, these pivotal, seminal miracles uh, in, in John's Gospel, such as the feeding of 5,000, there is, and there has long existed within the church, a diversity of um, interpretation of the miracle. Some, and I, and I, I will say up front, I really have um, far less uh, concern in how you interpret the miracle than that you 
process this miracle and that you see it, as I say, as something transparent so that we can see beyond it something greater. And Jesus, when uh, those who were fed chase him down, uh, he accuses them of sort of taking the more pedestrian view. Hey, you followed me because you got your bellies full, he says, and he dismisses them. I think that's next week. But uh, we're really meant to see through the miracle something of the kingdom of God, something far more profound uh, than just a story about loaves and fishes. Um, Jesus uh, um, is very in tune with with what's going on. He seems he knew what he was going to do. Uh, He was the master of this circumstance. And so it is that some people, and I am fine with this, if you are of a very conservative stripe and you say, Jesus took these five loaves and two fish and every time he put his hand in the basket, uh, every time the disciples distributed one, another replaced it. And it was just a straight up intervention in the law of nature uh, as we think of it. Uh, Certainly that is uh, one valid uh, understanding that this, this miracle took place. By, but just sheer number of distribution to 5,000 people uh, uh, by the disciples alone it provides me with some pause for, you know, to think about how, how that would take place. And so I say, oh, maybe there's something I'm missing here. Yeah. I also have no uh, issue with those who choose um, rather an interpretation that's a bit different. And those who would say, well, you know, they all went out to hear Jesus, a whole bunch of them. And they uh, were not ignorant of what the circumstances of the, the hard uh, uh, difficulty there would be in, in finding food if you went. But still they went. And that, I think, is the important part. Uh, and so they each provisioned just a little bit. You know, um, We better take along a little something just in case. And so when they journeyed out uh, to follow Jesus, um, there was existent among the multitude a little here and a little there, and not unlike most potlucks I've been to, or pitch-ins for folks that live down in Broadus, uh, when it was all brought out and brought together in a celebration, uh, there was always more than we needed. Okay, always more than we needed. We all ate and were full and satisfied, and there was leftovers going home. So, you know, there's two very divergent views of that same miracle, and it's to me not as important as you say, well, this is the way it was. That's rather self righteous, as to say, here is how it impacts me. Here is how it is meaningful to me as I look through those windows of the miracle those portals and I see something of my God something of my Lord on the other side and I'm drawn to it it speaks to me Hmm, maybe I better sign up for Meals on Wheels as that thought takes form and shape in, in, in concrete way hmm we fed 4,480 meals to children in our community this summer as the hungry were fed. That's what Jesus wants us to think about. Okay? Not to argue among ourselves about how many angels might fit on the head of a pen. Well, that said, what I share next came from uh, after church conversation. Now, I think with Blaine, Mike Milmine, I'm not sure if Ed, if you had left by this time or not, or were up roaming around last Sunday. 
we, we got to thinking out loud together. That's kind of what we're going to do this afternoon at 530. Start thinking, free thought, association, and what might be, what is. Blaine brought, Blaine brought to my attention a, a text that I'm very familiar with, but which really seems seems timely today. And it was from Paul's uh, pastoral letters, uh, particularly to his young friend Timothy, uh, his companion, again, younger than Paul, so much so that uh, the apostle says to Timothy, look, don't let anybody put you down because of your age. You know, you know what you know, so be confident. And he then writes his pastoral advice, his fatherly advice to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be urgent, in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, and exhort, be unfailing in patience and in teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths as for you always be steady endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry okay was Paul's message to Timothy and really remains the same through echoes and reverberations down to us today. Fulfill your ministry, Jan. You know, Joyce, you, in this instance, see the hungry are fed. You know? For there are miracles out there if you will see them. There are miracles out there if you will see them. There are windows through which our faith invites us to look and we see not the thing itself but this greater reality the kingdom of God that speaks to us from beyond the miracles and so last Wednesday or last Sunday Wednesday last Sunday we're sitting around talking and the subject came up of um, the authority of scripture you know we read from this Bible and, and recognize that during, oh, uh, we are the product of the Reformation, right? Uh, during the 16th century, as uh, Europe emerged from the Dark Ages and came into the Middle Ages, when there was this explosion, you know, it was no longer just trying to eke out a living, a life, as short as it would be, but rather coming into a time when music and art and discovery were just exploding. Also nationalism, pride in being German, Italian, Spanish was also emerging. Uh, you know, that was a time when even then um, in the church, the clergy were not particularly well educated. Many could not read. Remember in Europe, you know, if you if you were a landed person, the oldest son got the land. The second oldest usually got a, a ecclesiastical position, uh, but but the clergy were not particularly well educated, and Bibles themselves really scarce. Uh, a, a, a parish, a church, probably didn't own a Bible. Okay, if you had one, it'd be in the cathedral. Uh, and so uh, Martin Luther really began to recoil against this. Uh, 
uh, in this age of, of increasing knowledge and awareness uh, began to, to recoil against uh, both ignorance um, but also he became suspicious of uh, individual authority uh, within the church particularly if that authority in his learned estimation uh, sometimes stood in contravention of scripture the, the priest or even the pope would say this while Luther as an academic himself who could read Greek and Latin and Hebrew said but the scriptures say that and he could look back in history and see that uh, the early church taught this but we are being taught that. And so Luther began, Luther began to challenge uh, authority, um, and uh, through, that, uh, through that challenge, of course, the product of that was the Reformation, and we are heirs of that tradition. Um, as time passed, those... Uh, members of the reform movement it was a movement within the church never intended to leave those members of the reformation found themselves in this country and in this country um, uh, the uh, experience was with uh, parliament and the king and the uh, founders of this country rebelled against that authority rebelled against uh, the edicts of a king uh, even though, according to the thinking, he had a divine right to be king and therefore spoke with divine authority uh, and parliament. And this country opted for a more egalitarian uh, uh, view of, of life together, life in common. And they wrote a constitution, we declared our independence, and wrote a constitution, and really the function of the constitution was uh, to limit the power... Uh, the authority, the reach, the ego uh, of those who were vested with governmental authority, whether Parliament and King or President and Congress. And so the Constitution was meant to limit, constrict, not us, but it was meant to limit and constrict those with power who might impose their, their will upon us. Uh, and so I find that very often when I think of my background, my undergraduate degree was in political science. And so I'm very interested in, in all things politic. But I find that in, in, there's an analogy that I, I, I like, and it is that uh, scripture, okay, scripture, and our political government, say constitution, they're almost like a binary star in our life experience. They, they kind of like, they kind of circulate around each other. They hold together. And, uh, and, and so we have this peculiar relationship. Now, what's with the toy? Well, we also live in a time, in the present time, where we are now. Let me, and for those on the radio, <laughs> forget. Uh, for those on the radio, I've got a toy. It's a, kind of an iconic child's toy. Um, it, it is like red and blue ball. It's got geometric shapes all on the outside and little yellow blocks on the inside and when you pull the ball apart you can shake the shapes out of the ball and it's, it's for little little infants who are just beginning to learn how to use their hands and their eyes and things together um, I'm sure Leo there's a lot of educational theory behind this but uh, I'm, I'm kind of just going for the basics 
and, and, and what they're learning, what the children are learning are, are really a number of things by playing with this toy. And I, I got to play with it uh, at the VA. I had four uh, very young children there. And uh, during chapel this morning, I, I distributed the, to- the, the, the shapes and let the children hang on to them until the end of the service, and then they put them all back in. But it teaches the children discernment and patience and skill and dexterity and probably other things I haven't thought of. But as we, if we view uh, the ball uh, as fixed, we know that only certain shapes will fit in certain holes. Okay. Well, I guess I'm not too good at that. Oh, listen, this one. There we go. Uh, and so we know that as children develop, they they benefit from both the the challenge and the accomplishment of learning to put the star in the star hole and the oval in the oval hole even though initially uh, it may present them with some degree of frustration as they overcome that they benefit there are certain things that are just fixed but what if I ask uh, a parent decided that they were not, it, it bothered them, that they saw their child being frustrated, trying to get um, that shape to fit in the right hole. They were trying the wrong hole, and it just wouldn't fit, and it frustrated the child, and if it frustrated the child, it frustrated the parents. So what if some parent decided they were going to take a hole saw and saw a hole, a round hole, over each of these shapes so that every shape would fit at any angle through any hole every time? How would that benefit their child? There are certain things that are given, and we benefit from the discipline of learning them. We benefit our children by, from the obligation to teach them. Okay, um, Just because we can do something doesn't mean that we ought to do it. And so now back to the subject of Scripture. Is for us, does for us, the scriptures remain what in the words of the reformers is called the norm that is not norm? Okay, the final authority that really led Luther into conflict with the Roman church, where he said scripture is of greater authority than clergy, than priests, than, you know, that's the final authority. Uh, that led to a great deal of conflict. We're still just now recovering from it, actually. But are there things that we simply ought not change simply because we can change them? Uh, we live in a day and age where I fear this has become increasingly popular uh, for the sake of change to change that which is really our source, our foundation the shapes of the way things are do we benefit ourselves from changing the shapes of the way things are and have been into the shape of things to come as we see them now from this perspective we talked before worship this morning that we as a culture we 21st century uh, North Americans, we like to move at a lightning speed. Uh, our technology, our, our technical capabilities often eclipse our, our moral capacity. 
to understand how to use them. But we like to change, we are changing so fast that do we want to do the same to those things that have been and are foundational to our identity as a church, as Christian people? I think that's something that we need to think very carefully about, not to embrace change for the sake of change, but rather, and, and admittedly the church often moves at a glacial pace, but by so doing, we prevent ourselves from making some catastrophic mistake, like taking our whole saw to this, I don't have any idea how old this toy is, but it keeps us from taking our whole saw and drilling out every one of these holes so there are no longer shapes for proper shapes for proper uh, pieces to be fit in, but rather any old piece will fall in. The problem with doing that is any old piece will also fall out. And we end up with something that was once most useful, most instructive, and most helpful, and render it through good intentions, um, rather pointless and silly. And so as we look at the choices that lie ahead for us, both individually, as a church, as a denomination, we have to ask ourselves how we prioritize things and how we will move forward. Uh, don't move forward blindly, moving for the sake of movement. That's flailing about. Uh, neither are we meant to be stuck and live as though we were living in the first century because we're not. But rather, let us always look to Scripture, um, particularly as we consider Jesus' miracles, as we do today, saying, there's the miracle, there's the portal, there's the invitation, there's the window that the gospel is set before me, and as I look at it, as I consider it, as I think about it, what do I see beyond of the kingdom of God? Okay? In a very pragmatic sense today, we've touched on that. Meals on Wheels, the nutrition program at the, uh, rocks, pro at the rocks program, things that we can do to live our lives that make a difference. But what, and I tell the children this all the time, when our uh, midweek after school program kids, these are elementary school children, kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, when we take them over to the local VA nursing home facility, um, I, I, I constantly remind them, we're going to go over there and do some really important things with, with these, um, uh, these veterans over there. And uh, there's that a lot of other people go over there and do things with them too. But do you know what makes us different? And of course the children, they do not know yet. They are only learning. How can they know? They're still figuring out the shapes, right? I say what, what makes us different is we go because Jesus has told us to go. Christ has told us to be servant of all. Let the prophet Micah have the final word today. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Let us walk humbly with our God but with our eyes wide open, seeing through those things that are given us in Scripture and seeing through those opportunities that are set before us this and every day to do the will of one, the one who has called us together in his church where he remains Lord, God, and Savior of all. Amen.
We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.